0: Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's word.
1: Okay, we've been going through talking about Israel in the end times, and one of the things that I'm doing with this study is I'm going uh, I'm going a little bit in depth on what the Bible actually says about Israel, specifically in the Old Testament and the promises that God made. And this is a lot of this study is coming from a course that I did on eschatology, and it's kind of almost a college course, and I understand that, but. You go through this and, and look at the verses that we're talking about. You never ever again, if you have questioned, going to have any question as to what God's going to do with the nation of Israel, because he makes it really, really clear. And the only way that you can get uh, another interpretation out of this stuff is just to, just to take and literally ignore The passages that God has, where God has made His promises to Israel, and we're going to read a few of those tonight. So, anyway, let's pray, and we'll get back into it and pick it up with the Abrahamic covenant. Let's uh, let's invite the Lord to be here, Father. We thank you uh, again so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for the work that you've done in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you had a purpose and a plan with the people of Israel from the very beginning. You continue to work out that plan as time goes on and you're gonna ultimately fulfill it. And Lord, as we're going through and looking at some of these passages, I just pray that you'd help me to be, be, be able to bring them across in ways that are compelling and just a, a blessing to your people. And Father, I pray that you would give us all hearts of understanding as to what your word has to say. And we ask that you would do this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Abraham a covenant. Last we, last time uh, we talked some about this, I'm just going to go over a few things, and then we're going we're going to pick it up with blood covenants. So when God sent Abraham into Canaan, he made him a promise. And actually, it's a threefold promise, and it was for land, and that he was going to be the father of a great nation and that he was going to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. So it's land, nation, and blessing. The Abrahamic covenant has a threefold aspect to it, and it's land, nation, and blessing. We already covered this, but I'm going to go over a couple of things just to give you some context. Genesis chapter 12, and actually I'm, I'm not putting anything, the verses up on the screen, because I'd like you to see them in your Bible. A lot of times you see things on the screen, you get the information, you see them in your Bible, it's a totally different thing. You're gonna, you're gonna see where it's at. So Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, God had said to Abraham, Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and cur- I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, okay? And so that's the first time that God gives the Abrahamic covenant to Abraham. You're not seeing the whole Abrahamic covenant there. So it talks about Abraham being blessed, making him a great nation, and taking him to a certain land. If you turn over to, let's do chapter 13, verses 14 through 17. This is after Lot and Abraham separate. It's Abram at this point. His name's gonna be changed to Abraham. It's after they separate. And when God sees Abram give Lot anything he wants, he says, you just go one way, I'm gonna go the other. And the promise was given to Abraham. And so he didn't have to give anything to Lot, but he tells Lot, you go one way, I'm gonna go the other. And when God sees Abram do this, It says in verse 14, the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Once again, what's forever mean in Hebrew? Yeah, it means forever. And what does descendants mean in Hebrew? It means descendants. And so these are people who are descended from Abraham and God gives the land to them forever. He says, And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And so God gave Abraham the land and he did it forever. Last time, We went through in chapter 15, you have the Abrahamic covenant made between God and Abram in as a blood covenant. And we're gonna come back to that. Turn over to chapter 22. Chapter 22, this is after Abraham, Abraham offered up Isaac and God spared him. And then in verse 15, it says, "'Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham "'a second time out of heaven and said, "'By myself I have sworn,' says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And that's the promise again that all the nations would be blessed. There's other verses, they're up on the screen if you wanna take a screenshot of that. But in any case, these are the provisions of the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham's name will be great. He'll become a great nation or a great nation would come from him. All the families of the earth would be blessed through him. To him and his seed personally would be given the land of Canaan forever. His seed would be like the dust of the earth, um, innumerable. Whoever blessed him would be blessed. Whoever cursed would be cursed. He'd be the father of many nations. Kings would proceed from him, that's later on, and that this was an everlasting covenant. Canaan was gonna be given as an everlasting possession. God would be God to him and his seed, and in his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So there's three aspects to that covenant, and they are number one, individual promises to Abraham. And here's the individual promises. He's gonna be a father of a great nation, He's gonna be the father of kings and other nations besides his seed. There was going to be a blessing on Abraham specifically. He himself was gonna be a blessing to all people and he would be great. And then there's promises secondly to Abraham's seed or his descendants that the nation would be great and innumerable and that they would take possession of the land and that that possession would be everlasting. Okay, and then there was a an aspect to the Gentiles And in that, God says that all the families, all the nations of the earth would be blessed through his seed. And when you get to the New Testament in the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter three in verse 16, it says this, brethren, this is in verse 15, brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls it or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed, where the promise is made. He does not, say, does not say and to your seeds as of many, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ. And so when you're looking at our relation to the Abraham- Abrahamic covenant, we come in through Jesus, okay? So again, three aspects to the Abrahamic covenant. He was gonna get land. He was gonna be the father of a great nation, which is talking about the Jewish nation and he was going to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And then later on, it says that that blessing was going to come through one of Abraham's seeds, one seed specifically, Paul says, and that seed is Christ. And so Jesus is a son of Abraham. He's descended from Abraham, and it's through Jesus that we come into the Abrahamic covenant, and it's through Christ that all the Gentiles are blessed in the Abrahamic covenant. And so it's not just a blessing on the people of Israel, but it's going to be a blessing ultimately on all the people of the earth. And so, last time that we talked about this, I let you know that when you become a Christian, even though you come in under the Abrahamic covenant, you don't get to have part of the land. Because that's not your covenant. That's not the part. The land was given to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Okay? And so that goes to Jews, not to yous. Goes to the Jews, okay? And then you, you do not become the nation of Israel. You do not become the nation of Israel. Israel and the church are contrasted all the way through the New Testament. Israel and the Gentiles are contrasted all the way through the New Testament. And so you don't become Jewish because you become a Christian. In fact, all those distinctions go away. And so the Bible also in the book of Galatians says there is is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, we're all one in Christ. And so all those distinctions go away at that point when you come into a relationship with Jesus in the church. And so the church is never called the nation of Israel. And so again, when we come in, we're coming into salvation through the Abrahamic covenant And it's only through the blessing portion of the Abrahamic covenant, in which it says his seed will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, talking about Jesus. Is that clear as mud? Okay, this is important. This helps you out in all kinds of areas as you go through the rest of your Bible, okay? Then we have blood covenants, and that's where we left off last time. And so I don't know if you remember the whole story, but I'm just gonna go over it real quick. Turn back to Genesis chapter 15. And what's happening here is Abraham is coming. Well, at this point, he's still Abram. Abram is coming back from the slaughter of the kings. And so what happened was a bunch of kings came down from the north and they came and they took out Sodom and Gomorrah. They took a bunch of people captive, stole a bunch of loot. And Abram takes off with a bunch of his men and he chases these guys down and meets them in the middle of the night and he conquers this army and drives them away and he takes all the captives from Sodom and Gomorrah, including his nephew Lot and takes all the goods and he brings them back. And one of the things that, a couple things happen here in, in chapter 14 that are interesting. One is he meets Melchizedek, who's a priest of the Most High God and the King of Salem, which is Jerusalem. And so that's used in the New Testament as a type of Christ. And then the other one is the King of Sodom said, I will give you whatever you want from all the spoil. And Abraham said, or Abram in this case, said, I don't want it, I'm paraphrasing here, lest you say that you made me rich. And God saw that. And when you get to chapter 15, God goes, Abram, I'm your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And so the reason that God needed to be his shield is because he just took, up a, took on a bunch of kings who most likely are coming back the next spring and may come after Abraham, right? And so God's saying, I'm gonna protect you there. And then God also says, I'm your exceedingly great reward because Abram didn't take anything from the spoil. He just left that for the king of Sodom and he said, you can pay my men, but that's all taken. And so he left the spoil and he honored God in doing that. And so God's saying to him, I'm going to take care of you, not only physically, but financially. And then Abram says, Why do I need that? I don't have a son. God had promised him children, and he's years later, about 13 years later, and no children yet. And I've I've got this guy, Eliezer of Damascus, and he's my heir. I don't have anything, basically he's saying, I don't have anybody to give anything to, except for this guy who's not even of my household. And then um, God says, uh, tells him that his, Uh, Children are going to be, let's see. um, In verse four, God says, this one shall not be your heir, but one who who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside, said, look now toward heaven, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And then Abram uh, believes God, and then God gives him a promise. I am the Lord, verse seven, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And what Abram Abram is asking for there is a contract. He's asking for a covenant. And what he's doing is asking, well, he's asking for a covenant, and what God does is he sets up what's called a blood covenant. And what happens is he takes a number of animals, and you can see that in verse nine, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece of opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And so he lines these animal parts up and the birds in a line, and there's a path in between them. And what would happen in a blood covenant is the two guys that were making the contract would walk through the middle of these pieces. And the idea behind that is, if either one of us breaks this contract, breaks this covenant, then what happened to these animals should happen to us. In other words, we should die. And so if I break the covenant, I should die. If the guy who goes through it with me breaks the covenant, he should die. And then Abram sits there and waits all day, driving birds away from the animals, and God doesn't show up, God doesn't show up, God doesn't show up, and then God puts Abram to sleep. And he's leaning against a tree, and he wakes up enough to see a burning lamp going through the midst of the pieces. And that's when you see God proclaiming his covenant to Abram. Then verse 13, it says, Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years Also, the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And so again, the promise of the land being given. Now, the significance of this is the burning torch that's going through the pieces is the same thing as the pillar of fire that led Israel through the wilderness, which is the same thing as the glory of God that you see in the tabernacle and later on in the temple. It's the presence of God going through the pieces. And so the Abrahamic covenant is based on God's promise, not Abraham's performance. God is the only one who went through the pieces. And so the only way that the Abrahamic covenant can be broken is if God breaks the covenant himself and is shown to be a liar. And at that point, then what should happen? What God's saying is, I'm not going to break this covenant. I'm going to keep it. You know, and, and so again, here's the whole point behind this, that Abraham was not involved in the Abrahamic covenant except for being the guy that it was given to. If Abraham had gone through the pieces with the Lord, if they'd walked through it together, if Abraham broke the contract, um, so to speak, if he had failed in his portion of the covenant, then the Abrahamic covenant would fail and God would have no reason to give Abraham the things that he promised. But because God was the one who went through the pieces, it's not based on Abraham's performance, it's based on God's performance. And so the Abrahamic covenant is an unconditional blood covenant in the sense that it's based on what God has done. Turn over to Jeremiah 31. This is, this is one of those passages that you need to know about. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse, verses 35 through 37. If you've been around here for any amount of time, You know this passage, but you may not have been around here for any amount of time. So you need to know this passage. So this is having to do with um, the covenant that God makes with, with these people. And we're gonna touch on this again a little bit later on. It's called the New Covenant. And after God proclaims what he's gonna do with the house of Israel, look at verse 35. It says, thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. Okay, so he bases this promise on two things. If the sun stops shining, the moon stops moving through the heavens, and the stars stop being a light for the night, then God's going to forget his covenant with the people of Israel. So is the sun still shining? The moon still come up? You still still see the stars? God said he's keeping his covenant with the people of Israel. And then he goes on and he says, if heaven above can be measured. This is really interesting to me because at the time that this was written, cosmology said that it could be measured. In fact, um, many of the cosmologies, that's just stuff about the stars, believe that that the sky was a big dome that sat over the top of the earth. And if you could walk far enough east or west or north or south, you could literally touch the sky. That was the cosmology of the day. And so the idea that the heavens could be measured was something as far as science was, went in those days was something that was possible. But in the book of Jeremiah, the implication here is it's not possible and it's never going to happen. You're never gonna be able to measure the heavens. You're never going to be able to explore or search out the foundations of the earth. It's never going to happen, no matter what you saw in the movie The Core. That's not gonna happen. And so one of the things that we know right now is that the foundations of the earth is molten, and it's under such high pressure that nothing would be able to even move through the midst. You're never gonna be able to search it out, right? And so that's not going to happen. Here's the thing with the heavens we can see basically what we would call the edge of the universe. And so, does that mean that the heavens can be measured? Okay, here's the problem with that thinking. When you're talking about the edges of the universe, basically, the further out you look, the faster things are moving away from you. I'm talking about galaxies. Okay, And so this has to do with what you've probably heard of Hubble's law, right? All of you have heard of Hubble's law, haven't you? Of course not, yeah. <laughs> but any, anyway, back, back in the 20s, they figured out that the, that the universe is expanding, okay? And there's a certain rate that it's expanding and the further away you get, the faster it's moving. And so that brought about the idea that it's not galaxies moving through space going away from you, it's literally space is spreading apart, and the galaxies are in the space. It's kind of like taking a trampoline, putting a bunch of dots on it, and then getting a bunch of people at the edge of the trampoline and pulling it tight. As you pull it tighter and tighter, those dots are going to move apart. It's that kind of idea, okay? So it's not the galaxies that are moving, it's the space that's expanding. Okay, so this, will, this is what ends up happening. When we get to what we would call the edge of the universe, we're looking from a certain point in space and it starts, it, the, the space is expanding so quickly that it's reaching the speed of light. And once it reaches the speed of light, the light can't get to you from that galaxy anymore and it fades to red and it just disappears. Well, that's from our perspective. If you, if you take this podium thing, this table thing, and you put us in the middle of this, and that's pretty much where we sit, um, put put us in the middle of this whole thing, then all the edges of space is moving away from us at the speed of light. But if you take somebody from the middle of this and you put them over here, the physics of this at this point is that now you're in the center of another circle where all the edges are moving at the speed of light, but that circle is now framed around your point of reference And so now the galaxies that I can't see because I'm in the middle right here, if I stick you over on the edge over here, you can see all this now.
0: You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winnery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kenwick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 730, 915, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.